you know. Grace to you and peace from God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. A few years ago, I bought a daily planner. And I realize that everybody out there, especially the youth of the congregation, are now thinking, boy, Pastor, this is going to be the most interesting sermon ever, one that starts with a daily planner. <laughs> but the thing about this daily planner was it had this, it has this spot on it, it, right toward the bottom of one of the pages, and it says, list three things that you're thankful for. Seems easy enough. Seems good enough. Just list three things. But I remember this was years ago. I decided that for, it was about mid-August. See, about mid-August, you're finally getting used to kind of the summer routine. Confirmation hasn't started. School hasn't started. And you kind of believe there for a brief moment that you have all the time in the world to do all kinds of things. And so I said to myself, I'm going to take a month, 30 days, and I'm going to think of new things to be thankful for every single day without repeating. At first, it was easy, right? The first week, I mean, who can't think of 21 things that they're thankful for? Of course, it's easy, but then you get to week two. By the week three come around, all of a sudden, well, we were starting confirmation again, and I had to get stuff ready for that. School was starting, and I was teaching at Good Shepherd, and all of a sudden, I had all these meetings I had to go to, and I found myself realizing that I had a lot of stuff going on. And I had to sit there and dwell and think about three things that I was thankful for without repeating. There was one day, I remember, I, it took me almost a half hour to really think about and dwell and come up with three things, three more things, three things that I'd never repeated. I found myself beginning to think not just about what I was thankful for, but who I was thankful for. I mean, again, it's easy to kind of come up with things. We could say we're thankful for an alarm clock. We're thankful that the alarm clock wakes us up on time, that we can get places, that we can get to where we need to go. But who are you thankful for for the alarm clock? Yeah, we can say we're thankful for God to give us the alarm clock, and that's certainly a true statement. But we can also talk about God giving the ability of the workers to put it together and the minds to, to think of such a thing. We can think of all of those things and we can begin to be a little bit more specific. Because you see, that's what I found myself doing. After three or four weeks, I found myself actually trying to be more and more specific about what I was thankful for. It wasn't so much that I was thankful for some broad general thing. But I began to be thankful for very specific things and very specific people that God had placed in my life in one way or another, all through His will, through His work. I'm guessing that if you were to take that same challenge, you might, you might find yourself doing the same thing. What are you thankful for? But not just the broad categories. What are you really thankful for? Very specific. Who has God brought into your life? What are some things that God has brought into your life? And how has he brought it into your life? What makes you thankful for those things, for those people? 
You see, if you begin to understand this point, you begin to understand the text that stands before us. The Gospel of Luke chapter 17, typically our Thanksgiving passage. It comes up every year. You have literally heard this passage every year because it's our Thanksgiving passage. We have our Thanksgiving Eve service at 5.30 on Thanksgiving Eve. We will have a church service. And this will be the Gospel reading every year. And so every year we've heard this passage and we've talked about being thankful. But one of the beauties of preaching on this text now is that it's not Thanksgiving. You see, a text about thankful, being thankful, especially even in the midst of chaos, as everything begins to start again, as, as school starts again, as meetings kick back into high gear, as sports happen, as all these things are taking place, and we find ourselves running from one direction to another to stop for even a minute and to ask that question, what are we thankful for? Who are we thankful for? I think that's a great thing. And that's where we find ourselves today. So Jesus is going to Jerusalem. Ten lepers see him. Now ten lepers have to stay a distance away. They were not allowed to enter town. They were, in a sense, ostracized from their community. They had a contagious disease, which at the time did not have a cure. And so they had to stay away. They had to stay away. They had to stay away from their family. They had to stay away from their friends. They had to stay away from their church or worship. They had to stay away from all of it. And even when they saw somebody coming at a distance, they had to yell out to alert people that they were there. Don't get close. And so these lepers, from a distance, they see Jesus, and they, they yell out to Jesus. And what does Jesus tell them to do? Go to the priest. You see, in the ancient world, when you were cleansed, when you were cleansed of a disease or when you got over the disease, you went and you showed yourself to the priest. Once you showed yourself to the priest, you had this kind of process, a process to kind of make sure that you were fully cleansed. But then after that, you could go back to life as normal. You could go back to your family. You could go back to your friends. You could go back to your worship community. And you could do all of those things. And so all ten of them rush off. They said that Jesus could make them well. Jesus says, go show your priest. And lo and behold, while they're on their way, they are, in fact, cleansed. Their disease is gone. But one of them turns around. Now, we might think that they all should have turned around, and certainly they all should have. But one of them turns around. And sometimes we, we kind of look at the other nine going, man, they're just not very thankful. They're not very nice. But the reality is, is think about it from your own perspective. Imagine that you had this disease, let's say six months. You haven't really seen your family. You haven't seen, if you had, if you had a wife, you have not seen your wife. You haven't seen your kids. You haven't seen your friends. You haven't seen anybody. And all of a sudden this man says, hey, Go, you're clean. And you go, okay, well, I need to thank God for that. Well, where do you go when you want to thank God? You go to the temple. You know what's in a temple? Priest. You got to go to the same place. But one of them sees something different. One of them sees something completely different, and he turns around, 
And he doesn't go to the temple. He doesn't go to the priests. He doesn't go to the most obvious place that all of us probably would have thought to go. Instead, he goes to Jesus. There is something significant about that. He recognizes something in Jesus that he wasn't going to find in the priest or in the temple. And the way he worships Jesus at his feet gives us the understanding that this man, this Samaritan, and we talked about what Samaritan was last week. They were not exactly what we'd consider the greatest people on earth. And that's part of the significance. This Samaritan recognizes God somehow in or with Jesus. Did he recognize that Jesus was God, the Son of God? I don't know. I don't even want to speculate. But he recognized that God was somehow involved with Jesus. He returns to Jesus. He worships Jesus. And Jesus says, where are the other nine? This man came back to give thanks. And right at the end, and the the ESV has it, uh, your faith has made you well. And that's a well-known rendition. It makes sense. But that word there at the end actually kind of has a double meaning. It doesn't just mean your faith has made you well. That is one of the possible meanings. But the other possible meaning is your faith has saved you. Notice what Jesus says. Your faith has saved you. There's a lot going on in this passage. A lot to think about. A lot to give thanks about. And we as Christians should really dwell on this. Because again, who do you give thanks to? Who do you give thanks to? There are so many people, so many places, so many things that we can fill a book with people, places, things that we can give thanks to. And we can give thanks to God for giving us all of those things. But we gather here today. We gather here today to give thanks to our Lord for so many things. For His Word that He gives to us, that is read here, that is spoken here. We give thanks for all the community of believers that gathers around His Word. That comes to hear it again and again. We can gather here today to give thanks to God that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you for your sins, for all those times we made missteps, all those times we made mistakes, that God freely forgives those for the very work of Jesus Christ. We gather here to give thanks to God for giving us His true body and blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Yes, we gather here in thankfulness. We gather here, yes, to receive those good gifts, but also to give thanks for those good gifts. To give thanks for all that Jesus has done for us, for me, for you, for all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.